You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet, and it comes in a variety of cartridges, including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06, and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com. And while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Well, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I went on this huge rant just now. It was beautiful. I was uh, talking about the future and talking about, you know, some real insightful things. And then I look at my little recorder that I got in front of me and I forgot to hit the record button. So instead of getting that real insightful message, you're going to get this, uh, <laughs> just me now pissed off that, uh, I, uh, forgot to hit the record button uh, for the last oh, five minutes, but it's probably a good thing because it's just less time that you get to hear me talk in the intro and more time for the actual podcast that we got coming your way today. However, I will say that I'm pretty excited uh, tonight because I'm going to get to bed before midnight. I'm going to actually get one hour of my uh, by myself tonight. All the kids are going to be in bed. Um, the wife's going to be in bed and I'm going to be able to drink a very cold glass of bourbon and I'm going to be able to watch I might even be able to watch one hour TV which more than likely at my age of 40 will make me fall asleep in the chair and I'll probably won't even finish my bourbon but we have a really awesome episode today and that is with Skylar Evans now Skylar is a military veteran and he talks about all of the benefits that a a veteran can take advantage of whether you're active military whether you're a veteran there are some really good deals out there for guys who have served or are serving that uh, you might want to look into especially in the state that you live in or take advantages of some non-resident hunts in different states uh, i'm talking dirt cheap tags and license licenses and even being able to buy a lifetime license in uh, your home state so uh, it's something definitely to look into and that's what Skylar is going to talk about today on this podcast but before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode we got to do a commercial and I got to point you into the in the direction of the average conservationist now 
I got a new favorite hat, and it is from the average conservationist the average conservationist.com is their website these guys are making or marcus uh he is making some really awesome apparel some awesome logo tees awesome hoodies their hats uh the logos on their hats are badass and the cool thing about the company is they give 10 percent of all of their profits to conservation efforts like uh the quality deer management uh association or uh, what's now it's the National Deer Association, excuse me. Uh, he does some other things with with his money, but he's given 10% of all of his earnings to conservation efforts. And that's a huge thing for me. Like, why not support a company that is supporting the future of hunting and supporting the natural resource that we all love to take advantage of? So um, the average conservation that conservationist the average conservationist.com is the website so go take a look at uh there check out all the apparel and when you decide on a hat or when you decide on a t-shirt or a hoodie enter the discount code nfc10 and you're going to receive 10 percent off of your purchase and uh that's awesome Right, so not only are you getting a discount, but you're supporting a company that supports conservation, and that's. And if you ask me, that's a win, 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 win. And uh, other than that, I think we're good to go. Before we actually start the podcast, though, I want to remind everybody to make sure you're subscribed to the Nine Finger Chronicles, subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast, subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation, whether it's uh, the network feed that has all the episodes on it or the individual uh, podcasts that are out there as well. So um, be sure to look into that. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, and here we go. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Skyler Evans. Skyler, what's up, man? Uh, it's just another day, man. Another day. Just another day? I mean, <laughs> just another day in 2020 could mean a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, <laughs> definitely been one of those years, man. Yeah, so how, how did your season go this year? Uh, it's been, uh, up and down, um, had really awesome elk hunt, um, did really good, killed an awesome elk and then, uh, hit kind of a dry spell and kind of just wandered around Oklahoma for a couple months until, um, started finding some deer. So, cool. um, I put two down this year, which has been pretty awesome. Cool. So you're from Oklahoma originally, or that's where you live now? Yep. Okay. Yep. So originally from Oklahoma and then back in oklahoma all right cool so let's see here uh um where did you shoot your elk at uh so i shot my elk on fort sill which is in the uh southern part of the state okay so you were you were on a military base when you shot that yep. uh and that that's kind of a, a precursor into what we're going to be talking about you are a veteran and um with you being a veteran a veteran did you uh, can only veterans or active military or whoever, uh, people who have served or are serving hunt on that, uh, fort? Yeah. So their program is pretty unique. Um, and a lot of military bases actually do something extremely similar. Um, where if you've served and you are a hundred percent, um, disabled, um, you can hunt on the military base, um, as well as if you're 
um, National Guard or Reserve and you're on active duty orders for at least 30 days, um, you can hunt as an active duty military member. Um, same with like if you're active. So if you're Air Force, Marines or Navy or Army, you can hunt any of these bases because you're active. Like you can go on leave and you can go and hunt these bases. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, let's see here. So before we get into what the main topic is today, and that is um, veterans uh, or active military or whoever um, taking advantage of some, I guess, discounts, uh, different opportunities or different privileges that being a veteran or active military gets you. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, that here in a little bit. But uh, first off, how old are you? Uh, I'm 29. 29. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, number one, first off, did you come from a, a hunting family? Uh, yes, I did. My dad, uh, my dad introduced me into hunting. Um, I think I shot my first deer whenever I was uh, 13. And then he took me goose hunting whenever I was like six and gave me a BB gun, made me think that I shot the goose. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a good, uh, that's a good move though. You give the kid the yeah, responsibility yeah. of a gun, but not a, a really powerful gun. Yep. Okay. So, uh, you were introduced at, at an early age and you continued through the, uh, you know, through, through the years. Now this is, you know, we're talking about the military here. So what, what year and how old were you when you, uh, joined the military? Uh, so I joined in 2010 and I was 19, 19. All right. So you were straight out, straight out of high school, basically. Basically, yeah. I spent like nine months jacking around, not knowing what I was going to do with my life and um, kind of pointed me towards the military coming into, you know, almost turning 20. So, yeah. So what uh, what kind of helped you make that decision to, you know, join the military? Oh, my dad kind of pushed me in that direction and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, the military gives you at least college, if nothing else, yeah. if you don't stay in and retire or anything like that, at least it gives you, gives you college. So that was, that was my plan at that point. So basically join to get college paid for. Yep. Okay. Yeah. When I was in high school, I met with uh, a Marine Corps recruiter a couple times and, uh, and my mom was like, no, go to college, go to college instead. Don't, you know, don't go to the military and all this stuff. Well, um, so she, she basically talked me out of it and I, I was thinking about joining, but back then there was some kind of restrictions. I have, I had a, a screw and a staple in my knee from a football injury and they, I, I guess back then they didn't take people that had that in there. Uh, yep. so, yep. so they, you know, they're like, well, we, you know, we can't take you because of that. And instead, you know, like the go, doing the army national guard or the army or something else that would have taken me, I was like, I'm either going to do this or I'm not going to do it. And then finally my mom was like, just give junior college a try first. And so she pointed me, she, she like guided me away from the military and into, yeah. into it. But, um, so what was that like? I mean, did you come from, did your dad, he was the one talked you into it. Did he, what, did he serve at all? No, no. Um, I'm actually, so on my dad's side of the family, 
we have like a distant distant relative that was in in the military um and then on my mom's side of the family um my uncle reti- retired out of the navy and her dad was in the navy and um so there's a lot of lineage on my mom's side but on my dad's side there really wasn't anything okay um so why why do you feel that your dad pointed you in this direction oh man you know the 19 year old kid that goes around and makes a lot of trouble and doesn't have structure in his life. So dad says, you know, the military is going to straighten you up. And it did. Yeah. It helped out a lot. So sure. he was like, I've done all I can do. Uh, maybe it's time yep. for the U S government to give it a try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So you get into the, the military and, uh, in around 2010, were you deployed at all anywhere? Yeah, so uh, I went to Afghanistan twice. Um, I spent two Christmases there, I think, and it was it was like in 2012 and then 2014, I think. Um, but yeah, so spent Thanksgiving, Christmas overseas um, for those two for those two years. And what was that like? What was that experience like um, going over to a foreign country and living there? It's, uh, it's definitely different. Um, you take a lot of stuff for granted for sure while you're here. Um, and it's, uh, it's definitely a simpler life too. I mean, I know a lot of the the military guys will understand that whenever you go and deploy, like all the worries at home kind of stay at home. Like you're not involved in the everyday bills and, um, all that stuff. So that's really nice. But at the same time, it's like, there's people over here trying to kill you. And so, I mean, it's like a give and take (laughs) that the way you put it doesn't seem like that much of a give and take. It's like, well, I can either deal, deal with bills or I, or someone trying to kill me. It doesn't, to me, uh, uh, that's funny. The way, just the way you put it, but, um, so any, any crazy stories or anything that kind of stood out when you were on those, uh, those, uh, uh, on that active duty overseas? Uh, just how different the culture is. It's just, um, it's like what you, it's like what you see, like you imagine as a kid, whenever you're seeing the Bible stories in church, like the little cartoon Bible stories. Yeah. It's kind of like that in real life. It's, it's, um, it's definitely like nostalgic almost. And it's like a look into the past because nothing's really advanced that much. Yeah. So did you get an opportunity to, I guess, mingle with the people, uh, like live in their shoes or was it strictly like military missions, uh, base to mission, or were you amongst the people? Did you get to experience the culture, anything like that? Um, so we got, we got to get out a little bit, but, uh, my job was mostly sitting behind, um, sitting behind the desk and doing operations type stuff. Um, so um, I was in an aviation unit, um, in the 160th. So we did strictly like, um, basically a taxi service, okay. we'll call it, um, while we're there. So we spent a lot of our time like inside the wire. Um, but we did get to get out and go to the bazaars and the, the other places and try the local cuisine, which never really turned out too well. <laughs> um, now, when you did get the opportunity to go out, 
uh, I have I've I've interviewed a handful of, of people who have been actively deployed all over the world. And some people, depending on where where they uh, were at, were like, yeah, dude, everybody, you know, everybody where I was at really loved Americans. They they understood why we were there. And on the complete opposite hand, they're like, get out of our country. We don't want you here. We hate you. Um, was there was did what was that? Was it an extreme like that or was it right in the middle? Um, so we had a little bit of both, um, like the locals that would actually come and work on the base with us, um, were more of the thankful type of people, but then there were also people that would, you know, they would like shy away as soon as they would see that people were coming out or helicopters were coming out of the, of the base or whatever, everybody would go inside and it was like a completely different side of their town. Yeah. Like, was it based on fear, you think? I think so. I think maybe fear, hatred almost. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, this stuff has been going on for 20 years. I mean, the the kids, parents that died whenever all this started are now the people that are fighting. It's just, uh, you know, like a a snowball that never really ends up stopping. Yeah. And it's what's crazy about that region, right? Is and there's a there's a couple quotes in some movies that really stick out to me. But long story short, you know the people in that region have been not only fighting, you know, most most recently Americans, but for no, I shouldn't say fighting Americans. Like we're there for a reason, right? We have these interactions with them, but for thousands of years they've been fighting each other. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so they're, and, and, and just imagine being used to that. Like I watch the the news, right. And you watch, uh, Oh, there was another bombing in this country today. And then there's people going about their business just like, well, well, you know, I've come to the conclusion where if I'm going to get bombed, I'm going to get bombed. Right. That's how these, like, that's how these people live. It's just crazy. Yeah, like the uh, the Nashville bombing the other day. It's yeah. like, man, like that's not supposed to happen here. Yeah. But then those people over there live with that every day. It's a normal occurrence to them, and it's yeah. Yeah. So any any crazy or scary stories that you can share with us? Uh, maybe times where you felt maybe <laughs> freaked out, or uh, you were pinned down, or you know the the natives got restless on you, or anything like that. <laughs> Um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you know what mortar attacks are, yep. um, but you know, everybody playing call of duty does. So like, <laughs> um, as, as these bombs come in, a lot of times they don't explode, but they do come in and you have these sirens that go off and it's like, you know, that scary video game, like, wah, wah, you know? And so like that comes on and that happens at least once a day, you know, it's something like that. It's whenever it was really going, um, in like 2013, 2014, I'm sure before then, before I got there, it was a lot worse, but we were getting, we were getting shot at by the mortars like every day. And these stuff would, these bombs would come in and sometimes they would explode and like they'd hit, like we have these barriers that are filled with, uh, like rock and gravel that line, line the base protect from the mortars coming in. 
um, and they would hit those HESCO barriers and you would just see this big explosion of like rock and sand and everything and take cover and make sure it doesn't hit you in the face. Dang. Man. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, mortars weren't fun. Those were, it was more scary whenever they didn't go off for sure. Then someone has to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's nuts. All right, so um, in this message that you sent to me, you mentioned that um, you received uh, some VA disability uh, after or, or during your active duty. Um, what led What led to that? Um, so as you as you transition out of the military, um, you go through this out processing um, procedure. I guess it takes like three months, and they help you kind of get established they help you write a resume they help you get all this stuff set up so that whenever you do leave the military it's not like they're kicking you out on your butt and you got nowhere to go so they help you get everything established and in that process um, you meet with a VA representative to put down like you go through your medical records and then like okay so you were airborne you jumped out of airplanes you have some knee issues you've gone to the doctor for it so then you get a rating um, and all this stuff adds up and the rating calculations is a very complicated system, but, um, so I got rated a hundred percent disabled, so I'm able to work though, which is great. Um, but I also get to get some benefits from, from that. Okay. So, uh, so was it knees? You mentioned knees. Did, did you have some bad knees? Yeah, so, well, I got Lyme disease while I was um, going through some training um, in Kentucky, and that's the majority of what my um, disability rating is for. That sucks. I heard that stuff is horrible. It's pretty It's pretty rough. Yeah. So you, you, uh, you're going through this process, and uh, you being a hunter, let me ask you this. I like to ask this question because I don't know what I would do if I, if for some reason, my job or some life, uh, event like prevented me from hunting. Right. So when you were, uh, active duty and you're out on those, uh, you know, those, or when you were in Afghanistan, uh, what would happen to your, your thought process as, you know, September, November hit every year? You know, what's crazy is while I was, um, while I was, active duty for the most part um whenever i deployed i was in washington state so fly fishing was my big thing while oh, okay. i was up there um i didn't unfortunately um ex-wives are to blame for this one but i didn't hunt too much um but um i did get to do a lot of fly fishing and that thought process um did occur while i was out fly fishing you know while i was deployed like oh man like i know that people do it but man, it'd be super hard to go salmon fishing with a fly rod with, you know, only being able to have like one hand to use, Yeah, you know, something like that. So that was always like a really scary thought process that like, man, like if I do come home, I may not come home like all in one piece yeah. and there's going to be a huge adjustment period. Yeah. So when you were in Afghanistan though, you couldn't fly fish. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't hunt. No. Uh, so what would, you know, like, what did you do during those seasons? Just like flip through Instagram and Facebook and wish you were there? Or did you have buddies back home that you would talk to? 
Oh man, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to talk too much back home. Um, whenever I did, it was always, you know, um, to my wife at the time or to my dad. Um, but while I was, you know, sitting in waiting for stuff to happen, I would pull up, you know, Google Google Maps or our map process um, that we had because I had like seven computers in front of me, so I was able to use maps and. I could get in there and scout and try to find access routes to different rivers and um, try to figure out where people weren't going. Gotcha. Now, so we all have Onyx, right? Where we can you know, yep. pull up Onyx or pull up Google Maps. Did you ever scout using like big time satellite where you had to like type in new locations and have a, a like a federal government uh, satellite zoom down on access routes? Um, I won't, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to, but <laughs> Hey, that's badass. That's badass. Like you can see blades of grass and you can actually see, uh, animals to know if they're shooters or not. That's how high tech yeah, it is. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. You can get like certain timestamps. So like if, uh, you know, like you want to look at a side of a mountain that normally has like doesn't have or normally has shadows on it and some of the imagery that you can get like you can you know see it during a time frame that doesn't have shadows right so you can see through the canopy type stuff it's pretty cool wow man i kind of wish i had that whatever device that that is directly on my phone right yeah i wish i had access to that now too (laughs) (laughs) all right so um let's let's start talking about these these hunting privileges um so you retire or you, you retired from the, mil- the military uh you got out of it and uh you said to yourself well i'm out you know i, I still want to be outdoorsy i want to hunt i want to fish when did you find some of these um these privileges like the uh for the the hunting and, and fishing licenses was it something that was brought to your attention was it something that was easily found or did you have to dig for it um so that's kind of a crazy story um i so i spent eight years uh on active duty um and coming into my so for my sixth year i was getting ready to get out my seventh year i signed a one-year extension to make it to eight um so from six to seven, I was preparing to get out, um, but still didn't really have a plan, which is why I signed that extension. But in that time frame, I was like looking into like what the disability like process you could get. I was like, I wonder if I can get a discount because a lifetime hunting license is expensive in Oklahoma. It's like $750. Um, but it comes with like, it pays for itself if you can, you know, put up $750 at one time for, a little card. Um, so I was looking into it and I found out that they have a, what's called the stars and stripes program where like, um, they don't, people will donate to the, whenever they purchase a tag and then those go to pay for licenses for military. So that's pretty cool. And then I kept on digging into it and then they came up with a lifetime hunting and fishing license. So if you're, under 60%, so 59 to 0% disabled in Oklahoma, you can get a lifetime for 225 or $250. But if you're over 60% disabled, you get it for 25 bucks For a lifetime. For a lifetime. So that covers <laughs> all your tags. Like, I didn't have to buy my elk tag this year because it was included in my lifetime 
license. What state um, was that in? Your bear tags uh, in Oklahoma. So, okay, so elk hunt in Oklahoma, bear hunt in Oklahoma. Um, all the tags are included in with that twenty five bucks as well as the license. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> yep. Every year. Dude, I should have. I should have went to the military. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, man. Yeah, it's a, it's it's awesome. Yeah. So, other than Oklahoma, do you know of any other states that do this same thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I think there's twelve um, that actually do um, in-state and out-of-state um, benefits. And then almost every state in the United States does a benefit for um, a disabled veteran. Yeah. I think Iowa, and I'm, man, I, sh- I should have been more prepared for this, but in Iowa, uh, active military, uh, I think they, I'll probably say this wrong, but I think they can hunt w- while on active duty with their active duty license, right? You guys have to carry a, a separate license with you if you're on active duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have our uh, ID card, yep. Yeah, ID card. And I think that that can count as your hunting license or something like that if you're active duty. So you can come to yeah. Iowa, and, and I think other states do that as well. Yeah, so like if you're on active duty stationed in, in within a state or if you're like an Iowa resident and you're stationed in, you know, Florida or something like that. Um, you can come back to Iowa and you can hunt, um, as like on leave, um, for free in some States like that. Um, now in Iowa for, um, like a resident, like veterans that get like any rating. So if you bring a problem to the VA, like let's say you have plantar fasciitis, but they're not going to like pay you for it, but they give you a rating for it. Like say it's a 0%. That means it's covered for as long as like you're alive, if you have issues with it, you can go to the VA and they'll look at it. But that also gives you a rating from the VA, even though it's 0%. And in Iowa, you can get a um, lifetime hunting or fishing license for $7 if you have a 0% rating from the VA. A lifetime hunting and fishing license in Iowa for $7. Mm-hmm. And I thought 25 was a good deal. Gee, many Christmas, yeah, right? man. Man, <laughs> I I wonder, like, if you had to guess, would you say that like more veterans know about this, or that they're clueless about all this stuff? I would I would say the majority of the population is pretty clueless on um, benefits. They may now you these people may know what the benefits are for their own state. Yeah. Right. And that's pretty common. But for like being able to take those benefits and use them out of state is something that not a lot of people know about. Yeah. So like I can uh, Idaho is a really great example. So in Idaho, um, you can get your elk tag like a 100 percent disabled veteran can go to Idaho and get an elk tag for twenty three seventy five over the counter mm-hmm. as an out of state as an out-of-state hunter, yeah, which is a huge discount from what it costs to go and get an over-the-counter tag for, you know, if you're not disabled. Yeah. And, and for like a not, just a straight up non-resident, like if you didn't take advantage of that, right. And you didn't let them know that you were a, a veteran, 
uh, those tags went up recently in Idaho, and they are are they like eight hundred bucks now? Yeah, they're expensive. They yeah. went they jumped a lot. So if you if you if you're a disabled veteran and you can get in, you have a card or, or something, you, you can uh, get one for three hundred some bucks. Uh, $23.75. Oh, so a non-resident disabled veteran can get an elk tag for under 30 bucks. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's a no brainer, man. So let me, right? let me ask you this with it being so affordable. Um, do you, or are there any organizations out there that bring this, this type of information to to light where you know some guy because you know some guys could say hey man you know i don't uh i can't afford to hunt elk especially at you know a thousand dollars if i'm taking the trip buying the tag buying the license uh things like that but if you know your active military or wherever these discounts are uh is there a group or organization that is informing people about this these kind of discounts uh there hasn't been one that i'm aware of now there are groups that do do like draw hunts um like i i mentioned um wounded warrior foundation they do hunts um, but they cover the cost of the tags and stuff but they don't i'm not aware of any group that actually tries to um put this knowledge out there for like a large population of people instead of, you know, like a closed group that they take on a hunting trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of these, you know, and obviously if you are, uh, if you're listening to this and you're a disabled veteran or a veteran or active military, uh, obviously there's a lot of, you know, you got Google at your fingertips, find out what some of these discounts are and how you can take advantage of them because it's a no brainer, right? Especially if you can get lifetime, lifetime hunting license in your state for, you know, $30 or or less. That's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a good deal. Um, and I've actually got a spreadsheet put together that I've taken, you know, all the verbiage from the actual regulations of each state. Um, and I've kind of consolidated all that information together um, to figure out how to get it out to, whatever groups I can on Facebook's a really good place to do it. So I'll probably be posting this stuff up there. Okay. Let me ask you this. Um, are there, I, I can understand residents, right? But is there any mm-hmm. type of, um, discounts or, you know, line jumping type, you know, cause for me, I, I have seven points in, uh, Wyoming that I'm probably going to, apply for specific zones this year do you know of any type of um i guess discounts or like line jumping privileges for veterans or active military um so the only there's a couple states um that do some um privileges for active military while they're deployed during like the draw cycle um, so like if you're, if you're on orders, I think Colorado is one of them. If you're on orders and you're going to be leaving prior to the start of the draw and you're not going to have access, you can send your information in per, prior so that you can get your information in, in time for that draw hunt. 
I got and then you. if you're not back home in time, they hold that tag for you for the next season. Okay. You that, can, you can, yeah, you can roll it over basically. What about, and you live in Oklahoma. Um, what about, and I think you mentioned one in Idaho, like non, you know, non-residents. Is that a thing for every state? Let's say like for deer hunting, uh, would you be able to come to Iowa and hunt with basically resident type uh in, in the resident category as opposed to non-resident? Um, so Iowa, so each state kind of does a little bit different. Each state has like their own rules. Um, uh, Iowa doesn't have anything for like non-residents that aren't active. Okay. So, um, and then they also have like, Iowa's pretty good, um, because they work hand in hand with like programs to give away, like do discounts for, like organizations that are going to do hunts for veterans. Um, so like the veteran would fill out this application from, um, the Iowa, uh, department of wildlife. And then the outfitter would get like a 30% discount or something like that on that veterans tag. Okay. So not, uh, a vet, a veteran could use an outfitter and receive a discount for it. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. That's cool. Um, other than what we've talked about, has there, is there any other, uh, information that, uh, we need to talk about today in this, you know, this, uh, veteran hunting privileges, uh, category? Um, I mean, I just really hope that, you know, there's a lot of like fishing opportunities and like, it's not just hunting and fishing. Like, um, you can get, um state wildlife passes for free you can get hiking and camping for free there's so many benefits that veterans can use in their states and in other states um and like it just takes a little bit of time a little bit of research to get into and i really encourage everybody to um it takes five minutes to google something you know if you want to go somewhere yeah absolutely man well um First off, let, let me say thank you for your service, man. Really appreciate that. And uh, second, man, thanks for taking time to come on the the podcast and, and talk to us about this because, uh, you know, you you often hear, um, I've, I had a buddy who kind of followed the same role, line, uh, line that you did, right? He didn't know what he wanted to do when he got out of high school. He went to the military. He went to the military right after, uh, you know, for X number of years. He retired from the military and, uh, or, you know, didn't renew or whatever that terminology is. And he, yeah. he, he got out of the military and he was, he was lost again. And he went through some depression, right? He went through some, you know, what did I do? What am I doing? You know, what should I do with my life? When he got out of the military, all of his friends, you know, had careers and marriage and all this stuff. And, and he, he didn't know what to do. And, uh, some, you know, I think it was one of his uncles who kind of got him into hunting and it, I don't want to say it saved his life, but it changed the course of where he was heading. Cause he was that guy who was like, well, I don't got anything else to do. Let me go to the bar. You know what I mean? And, yep. uh, it, it, it it changed the course of his life and now it's just, he's in a, he's in a better place. And I think it's because of hunting. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, um, 
a organization that uh, it's called Project Healing Waters. They do strictly fly fishing, but um, that's one of their big things is like, you know, getting outside for people that are dealing, you know, with separation issues or people that are coming back from deployment and like stuff has changed. Like the life here doesn't stop moving when you leave. Like it continues on and your life kind of is on pause until you get back. Yep. And a lot of times that's a really hard thing to deal with. I went through it and fly fishing and hunting is kind of what what pulled me out of I went through a situation like that too where you kind of just get down the dumps and you don't really know what to do or what direction you want to take your life anymore because the camaraderie and everything is gone but being outside and seeing what nature is is uh it's very healing yeah I preach that all the time is if you're having a bad day even you don't have to go and do anything big like a giant elk hunt to find happiness man it's something as simple as getting outside breathing fresh air and going for just going for a walk right yeah absolutely and that can change your mindset whether it's just for a day or you, you start you know finding something that you like to do outside whether shit it's gardening or mowing your yard or planting flowers or hunting fishing that can that can really be have a positive impact on your life and I, I strongly believe that. Yep, I 100% agree. So, Skyler, man, uh, thank you very much uh, again. And, uh, man, keep us posted on how you, how you do uh, in the upcoming years. Absolutely. Thanks, Dan. Huge shout out to Skyler for taking time out of his day and dropping some knowledge bombs on us, man. I really appreciate that. Huge shout out to all of you, as always, for taking time out of your day to uh, hop on or whatever it is you do. Download, listen in the car, at your house, while you're working out, while you're shoveling your driveway. I really appreciate your attention. And uh, so thank you very much for tuning in. Um, Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Vortex Optics, Ozonics, Wasp, Lone Wolf, the Average Conservationist. And uh, please go out and support them because they support me. And then it all comes full circle and you guys get kick-ass content like this. Other than that, man, have a great rest of your week have a great weekend get outside if you can it will solve your problems i swear to god Uh, i love you all and uh, we'll talk to you next time